Life is messy, and sometimes the ups and downs of life outside of work bleeds over into the office. As a business owner, how do you maintain that balance of professionalism and empathy, creating an environment that is supportive for your employees? Well, that's what we're going to be talking about today. Okay, here's the show. Welcome to More Than A Few Words, a marketing conversation for business owners. MTFW is part of the digital toolbox from Roundpeg, and this is your host, Lorraine Ball. And today I'm talking to Liesl Murtis, and Liesl is a workplace empathy expert. Liesl, thank you so much for joining me today. I'm glad to be with you, Lorraine. Liesl, I'm going to fess up until we were introduced I had never heard of a workplace empathy expert, and I'm guessing a lot of my listeners haven't either. So why don't we start there? What is it that you do? Well, it's a great question. I get to be involved in one of the most exciting leading edge offerings in HR, which is I empower forward-thinking businesses to come alongside their people with empathy and compassion as they experience disruptive life events. Um, And a disruptive life event is something like a death or a diagnosis, a relationship transition, those things that seem to come out of left field and really knock your employees off their feet. And what I found was they're the situations that leave a lot of managers and their coworkers feeling totally outside their depth. They don't know what to do. They don't know what to say. They feel overwhelmed and under-equipped. And that's where I come in. You know, having worked in corporate for a long time, and gone through both personal transitions and situations with my employees, it is always very, very awkward. So how do you help these organizations? How do you prepare them to be responsive to their employees? Yeah, it's a great question because in the world of business, if there's something that we believe really affects our people or affects our bottom line, it's something that we train for, and we plan for. And although in the world of social and relational care, it actually, it really does affect your bottom line. It affects your ability to attract and retain talent. It affects employees' productivity. And yet, like you said, this is an area that almost every company, they're just really putting out fires. They don't have a plan in place. They don't have any sort of training that they do for their people. You know, as I have had so many conversations with HR directors and managers to say, what what resources do you have? Is there a SHRM offering on this? I know from my own background, getting an MBA, which was all devoted to management, there wasn't five minutes of a single class session devoted to this stuff. So there's a number of levels to the training that I do. Um, some of it is behavioral instruction. What are gestures that always communicate care? Some of it is basic low-hanging behavioral fruit. These are things that you never should do. These are things you never should say. A lot of it also is looking at, in a lot of my trainings, I use these four avatars, these common responses that people go to when someone's experiencing a disruptive life event, whether that's silent Sam, who he doesn't want to make anything worse, so he's just not going to say anything, or cheer up Cheryl, um, always telling you to look on the bright side of things, commiserating Candace, who wants to give you her own story, or Buck Up Bobby, who just wants you to put on a, a grin and have a stiff upper lip and to say, okay, is this, do you identify with any of these people? And are they really getting you 
to the end that you want, which is to help move employees towards stability and back to thriving. So there's a lot of levels we go into, but those are some of the things we touch on. You know, it's so funny because at different points in my career, I've definitely fallen into these roles and I don't think that it really helped the situation as much as simply listening. So as you go through and you teach and work with people and companies and trying to get them to think about maybe some training or preparation to be proactive, where does this fall in the whole corporate scheme? And for smaller businesses, how do they sort of put this within their organization? Well, this is a new offering, so nobody has a line item yet for workplace empathy. So as I consult with companies and talk about their needs, especially this time of year as companies are planning their 2020 budget allocations, I really look for how does this sort of a training fit within your current needs assessment and your overall goals. And for some companies, this is a professional development tool, like other consultants that they bring in um, to help with things like conflict resolution or how to be a better speaker. Empathy at work is something that just helps make your managers better. And it, it aligns more and more with um, a millennial workforce that wants to bring their holistic self to the office and is asking for care along those levels, um, along with baby boomers who are having a lot more of these disruptive life events. So this is potentially a professional development tool, just helps make your managers better. For some companies, it fits within their wellness initiatives. They're thinking about caring for the whole person, and this really hits that sweet spot. And for some companies, I'm, I'm doing speaking in 2020 at a number of diversity and inclusion conferences, and this can be a diversity and inclusion issue because when you go through something really hard like this, it makes you feel outside of the normal experience in a way that's really isolating and hard to relate to your coworkers. So there's a number of different ways that an offering like this can fit within your 2020 objectives. Some people also, I mean, we're coming into the holiday season and that is a time where disruptive life events are really at the fore for people in all kinds of ways. So I find that there's a particular appetite also for companies that say, we want to offer this and show that we are a company that's attuned to these things, especially with the holidays. I also find that companies, I was just speaking with an HR director this morning, and her company had a number of layoffs this year. And that's disruption within the company. And there are lots of different ways that people are dealing with it. And so often in times of organizational change, this is an offering that can really help address the needs of a workforce as well. As you're working with companies and helping managers, do you notice differences either by age or by gender where you can make generalizations that say it's easier or more natural for certain groups, it's harder for others, or is this just a skill that we have sort of bred out of our natural style? Well, I would say most of the past working environments have not really had a category for empathy at work. There was much more of an expectation that there was a division between what went on in your personal world and what you brought to work. That is changing more and more, and you will hear that articulated from a younger workforce, much more than my parents' generation, who felt more of that divide. So although that's not true across the board, you can definitely see that. But um, it's interesting because actually the people who really love these trainings sometimes are those who would not define themselves as naturally empathetic. And for those people, they know that they're missing it 
on some level, but they don't want to be a jerk. They don't want to drop the ball. And it feels so good for them to feel like there is a roadmap of actions to say, oh, if I do this, it will be helpful. It's a great resting place for them. So I personally like the idea of learning some specific behaviors. Although I am very much an extrovert and I'm very outgoing, having spent way too many years in a corporate environment that was primarily male and definitely much more of that separation of personal and business. My natural style is not particularly empathetic. And I can totally see where maybe picking up some skills that I can develop as in terms of having a specific behavior that you fall back on until it becomes muscle memory and allows it to become a more natural part of your response could be very helpful. Right. Well, and part of what I do in my sales process and in my training is address people who come out of that world to say, as I mentioned, there is actually an economic cost to these encounters. The Grief Recovery Institute talks about $100 billion in lost revenue annually to American businesses because of reduced productivity and people who, because of their grief-related instances, they just quit their jobs. So there's a big cost. I also train that actually, you know, it's not just that this seems like a good idea on a human level. To engage in empathetic behaviors actually really dovetails with what people are learning in science as to how someone showing you empathy actually helps get you out of that lower reptilian functioning of your brain where the stress response originates. That whether it's the science of mirror neurons or all kinds of things that someone showing you empathy actually helps you recover and move more quickly towards stability. So especially for those people that this is new to them, there is both an economic and also a scientific foundation to this work that's really compelling. This is so interesting. And we're going to go ahead and include links to both your website and the podcast, because I know a lot of my listeners are going to want to know more about what you do and how they can incorporate it into their businesses. Thank you, Lorraine. I've appreciated the conversation. Thank you. This has been really great. Thanks so much. If you've enjoyed today's episode, go ahead, download another conversation for business owners. And if you want more information, check out the Digital Toolbox at digitaltoolboxin.com. This has been another episode of More Than A Few Words. Thanks for listening.